stretching here. Get ready. So welcome, welcome, and I'm excited. This is fun, and uh, welcome those of you online. I think the Lusks are on there, Ruiz's, Cindy. It's good to have all of you in the room this morning with us, and uh, I'm excited to see what God stirs in our hearts this morning. So uh, as we jump in this morning, uh, recently before we read some scripture together, uh, I took the kids skiing for the first time, and uh, as they get those skis on, they just kind of like slipping around, and, uh, and you kind of just navigate them into the, la- the lanes, right, to get on the chairlift. And uh, the fun thing about skiing is, is you sit on the chairlift, right? You don't have to walk up the mountain with those slippery skis, praise God. And uh, so the kids, it's their first time, they did all right, you know? And so we're going up, 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 up. And uh, my brother-in-law, we went with him. And so all of a sudden we're looking out and we see his son, who's like four years old, get a little feedback, a little game, maybe bring that down. And, uh, and he is blitzing down the slope, like just cruising so fast. I, I managed to catch a little snip on video. He crashes at the bottom, runs into someone. And a uh, very exciting moment. But as I was thinking about this experience of going up the lift, I just want to encourage you this morning. Um, the beautiful thing about the lift is you don't have to do a lot of work. You just sit there, right? You just kind of sit there, and you, you get to enjoy the view, and you get this, like, huge high view. And then as you get to the top, then you got to start doing the work, right? And everybody is running a different race. There are different levels of skiing, right? The kids and I, we spend a lot of time on the bunny hill. Some of the people are going up to the green slopes, the blue slopes, and then you got your double black diamonders, right? And the beautiful thing is, is we're all on our own race. We're all running our own pace, and we all have a different skill level, a different level of journey with Jesus, right? So the goal of our journey with Jesus is not to look to our neighbor, to our right or our left, when we're talking about spiritual disciplines, right? It's to focus on Jesus and his call and where we're at in our race with him. And so I want to encourage you, sit in the chair, Let's go up the mountain with the Lord. Let him show you some things. And then as we land and we put our feet on the ground, you're going you're gonna to find whichever path you're at, right? The next kind of step for you with the Lord. And you're going to start heading down that mountain and enjoying the fun that comes with it. A few bumps and bruises on the way down every once in a while. Um, so I just want to kind of give you that example and just encourage you, as Paul did to the Corinthians, that we all have a race to run. We all have different paths with the Lord. And let's look to him and what he's calling us to and not worry so much about how our, our neighbors are running. Does that make sense? It's, it's a good way just to encourage our hearts this morning. So uh, we're going to read Psalm 105, verses 1 through 6 together, and then we're going to open up in prayer. Sound good? So we should have those verses on the screen. Okay, let's read together. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make his deeds known. The people, sorry. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered, offspring of Abraham, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. God, I just thank you. I thank you for your word and the power of your word when it dwells in our hearts. And God, I thank you that Lord, you call us the offspring of Abraham. You call us your children and your chosen ones. And so, God, we come here this morning. And God, I just pray that you bring us back to that moment when we said yes to you. God, you bring us back to that moment when you chose us, when you called us out and you moved on our hearts. And that from that place, God, you'd stir our hearts afresh with fresh faith and hunger that we might give thanks to you this morning and honor your name. In Jesus' name, amen. So what is praise? Today we're talking about abiding in the place of praise. And what is praise? To, to, to understand praise rightly, I'm just going to give us um, kind of an understanding of, what it, of, of the word worship as well. I feel like those two kind of go hand in hand. Um, and so 
the Anglo-Saxon word worship goes way, way back. It just essentially means worth-ship. So worth, you're ascribing worth to something. Um, Romans 12, verse 1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, right? So our bodies are part of this act of worship. That word there in the, in the Greek text means um, service. So we're offering our bodies as service. And, and that includes the, the pipes here, right? The, the mouthpiece. Uh, it includes our arms and our legs. It includes all of us, right? So it's, it's a physical service to the Lord. And, uh, and it includes emotions as well. Let's look at John 4. It says, But the hour is coming, and, and Jesus is at the well. She's talking to the Samaritan woman. He says, When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth spirit, our, our hearts, our minds, our will, our emotion, truth. The truth is the right understanding of who God is. Does that make sense? You with me? So a right understanding of who he is. That's the truth, right? So we look to his word to give us a right understanding of who he is. He's prophet. He's priest. He's king, right? He's ruling and reigning on the throne. He's the priest because he made a way for us, right? Jesus laid down his life, right? He's the high priest. He's a prophet because he's already told us the end from the beginning, right? I was reading in Isaiah 40 this morning. It talks about um, how he has, he has told the end from the beginning. Genesis 1, right? Jesus would crush the head of the serpent, right? He would sting his heel, but he would crush the head. The end's been prophesied from the beginning, right? Prophecy is just the spirit of Jesus. Uh, it's the spirit of testimony. That's what prophecy is. So spirit, our hearts, our minds, our wills, and our emotions, we value him because our hearts value him. And when our hearts value him, what, what comes out of the mouth? You guys know this? Matthew chapter 15, verse 18 says, what comes out of the mouth is the heart speaks through the mouth, right? So whatever comes out of the mouth is what's in the heart. And so when spirit and truth are married together, we see him and his word. We value him rightly. We have a high view of Jesus, his sovereignty, his awesomeness, his power. And then we respond with our spirit man. Paul prays over the Ephesians. May the, may your, may, he says he's prays over the Ephesians that their spirits would be strengthened with power through God's spirit in their inner man right? That spirit man. And so when we see him rightly, something comes out of us, right? Does that make sense? And that's, that's where that, that praise piece comes. Um, John Piper, he quotes, true worship is valuing or treasuring God above all things. True worship is based on a right understanding, right? So we've got a right understanding of God's nature, who he is, and a right valuing of his worth. And how do we value God? We value him with our lives laid down, right? our bodies offered as a living sacrifice, praise coming out of our mouths, thanksgiving, as we're going to talk about here in this psalm. And so individually, it looks like we're captured by who he is, right? We look at him, we're abiding with him. We're in this series called Abide, right? So as we dwell with him, as we stay with Jesus, as we remain with him, as we look to him, we begin to see him rightly. And when we see him rightly, we cannot but offer praise, exaltation with our lips, with our mouths, with our lives laid down for each other. Does that make sense? You tracking with me? So I think, uh, I think it's good just to kind of lay that foundation and, uh, and, and now there are times now we don't feel the presence of God, right? There are times where we don't feel him, right? Sometimes I was reading Psalm 63, I'm, I'm a, in a dry and desert land, right? There are times where our souls, where we are on our spiritual journey, and it's a little dry, right? We don't feel, but it's still an opportunity to give praise because we're, we're not basing our praise on how we feel, right? If that was the case, I, there's probably a lot of days I wouldn't praise the Lord, right? Uh, we're basing our praise on him of who he is because we're seeing him rightly. Hebrews 10, 23, 24, I just want to stir you up this morning. It says, let us consider how to stir one another up 
to love and good works, not neglecting the meat together. That's what we're doing today. We're meeting together. And the Roman, the, the Roman Empire at this time, it was like probably one of the greatest periods of persecution for the Christian church. So for, for the, the writer of Hebrews to deliver this message to the Christian church in a great time of persecution and encourage them to come together, um, encourage one another all the more as you see the day, not talking about the day of the Lord, drawing near. And so in Colossians 3.16, Paul writes, 3 verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. So we're coming together, right? We're not neglecting the gathering together. We're letting the word of God come and dwell in us. And then we're encouraging each other. We're admonishing one another in wisdom. How do we do that? We're singing psalms. We're singing hymns with thankfulness in your hearts to God and spiritual songs. And that's what we did this morning. We started out, right? God's enthroned on the praises of his people. Psalm 22, right? And for a thousand generations. In Psalm 105, it goes on. It talks about how the generations are lifting praise to God. Psalm 8, it says, Let the, the, out of the, the mouths of infants and babes come praise and establish strength for God. So there's this, there's this activation in our hearts where we see God rightly, and then out of our mouths comes what? Praise, praise. Say it with me. Praise, praise, praise. Come on. I love that word, let. The let the word of God dwell richly. It means to allow, give permission to, authorize, grant. We got to let his word dwell in us richly. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. So verse one and two, call upon his name, make his deeds known among the peoples. Sing to him, sing to him, sing to him, tell of his wondrous works. So this is an active position of the, the worshiper, right? So when we come in here this morning, we're not just singing to anybody, right? We're singing to the Lord, right? We're looking to the Lord. I love the context of Psalm 105. So you guys know David, right, in the Old Testament? Our man David, he was called a man after God's own heart. And uh, in First Chronicles 15 and chapter 16, um, the Ark of the Covenant is returning to Jerusalem. So you guys know what the Ark of the Covenant it was like, that big, beautiful gold box with like some cherubim on it. And if you opened up, you would like, you get like incinerated, right? Like, I don't know if you guys watched the Indiana Jones movie, right? At the very end, they open it up and they all like, you know, we can't show that stuff in here, right? Because we leave like nightmares. But um, the ark of the God was the indwelling presence of the Lord in their midst, right? And David initiates this process of bringing it back. It's been out of the presence of the Israelites for a long time. And he initiates this process of we're going to bring this thing back into the camp. And so this is what he does. He gathers the priests. He commands them to consecrate themselves, meaning put on some fresh clothes, like soap up, like you guys think, come on, get, get ready. And, uh, and reminds them of Uzziah's death because they tried bringing it back one time and this guy just like reached out and touched it and he was like dead in an instant, right? There's a right way to bring the presence of God back into Jerusalem. So he, he gets the, the priests involved. He appoints singers to play loudly on musical instruments and raise sounds of joy, it says. David commissions the elders. We've got a couple elders here, right? And then uh, he, he commissions the commanders of the thousands to bring up the ark. So he's getting this big group of people and then it says, all of Israel brought up the ark with shouting. Woo! Shouting. Come on. Come on. The sounds of the horn. If anybody has the horn as one of their skill sets, please come talk to my wife, and you will find yourself a place in the worship team, okay? So we can get a horn in here, okay? And uh, trumpets. We got lots of cymbals. John crushed it on the cymbals this morning. And uh, make loud music on the harps and the lyres. And he makes offerings and he blesses the people, and he throws a party, and he's dishing out raisin cakes left and right. They're cooking some meat. Like, this thing is full-on celebration, right? I like to think, have you guys seen the Disney movie Aladdin? Show of hands, maybe? Okay. 
Prince Ali, 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 right? So as he's coming in, you've got elephants, you've got lots of like uh, that dust paint, right, that you use on color runs to throw into the air and spices and everybody's heads turning and they're watching the celebration as, as they come into town. And so just to really demonstrate this well to you all, everybody reach under your chair. There's a package of color paint. We're just, I'm just kidding. The kids would have already found that if I was the case, right? So just, you know, maybe the kids will search it out now. But post-celebration, David appoints Levites to minister to the Lord. They invoke, they thank, they thank him, and they give praise. They sound cymbals regularly. They blow trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant, and they point this song of thanksgiving. He established a regular routine of praise, and that's what we come in here every week to do, right? It's a regular routine. It's not based on how we feel, because honestly, we all have challenging weeks, right? It's not based on how our circumstances are. It's based on who he is. And that's, this whole psalm is pointing at who he is. Let's rightly see him so that we can rightly praise him. And so in this scene, um, David writes, he's like the writer of like most all the psalms, right? He's like top hit. It's like Psalm 23, one of our favorites, right? And, uh, but Psalm 150 is also pretty good. We get to the very end. And, uh, and he prescribes, this is his prescription for worship. It should look like trumpets, Lutes, harps, tambourines, dance, strings, pipes, lots and lots and lots of cymbals. Man, the dude was all about cymbals. He had like one guy appointed just for cymbals. His name was Asaph. And we named our middle kid Sebastian Asaph. And I tell you, when he gets a hold of the cymbals in our house, we had a drum set downstairs, it is loud. We've actually put him in the closet for a small season of time, okay? And uh, my, bro- my brother, David Pemberton, is going to loan me a small cymbal for him to crash um, consistently. Uh, but cymbals, right? And then we look throughout all the psalms. There's all these different prescriptions for worship. This week, the kids and I were reading Psalm 134. It's three verses. They love it when we get a short psalm, right? All right, one, two, three, boom, boom, boom. We still can imagine to spend a little bit of time on it. And we talks about lift up your hands. And I asked Joseph, like, what does that mean? Why do we lift up our hands? It's because we're pointing to Jesus, right? We're ascribing to him the glory that's due to our name with our fingertips, right? We're, we're pointing to him because he's worthy of our praise. And so, there's a, there's a last component to this story of him bringing in the Ark of the Covenant. So you tracking with me? We're tracking together? Okay, great. So this one last component, in verse 29, it says, And as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the city, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David dancing and celebrating, and she despised him in her heart. That is harsh. It says that she looked at him and she despised him in her heart. See, David's focus, where was his focus? It was, it was vertical, right? It was on the presence of the living God. And it says in 2 Samuel 6, 14, that he danced with all his might. Like he was sweaty. He was, he was throwing it down. And hopefully he was a good dancer. It doesn't really matter because he was just giving it his everything, right? And it says that her focus was where? It was, it was on it was on David and the worshipers. It wasn't on the presence of the Lord coming in. And so because she was looking, and it was maybe a little weird, a little awkward, or it wasn't her normal cup of tea, she despised him in her heart. I can see how that could draw some attention, right? I mean, we've all been in a situation where somebody's doing something we're not comfortable with as they worship the Lord, and we have an opportunity, right? Are we going to keep our focus on the one who's worthy of our worship, or are we going to turn our focus away and, and, and release judgment, right? And it's not us, not our place, right? Our place is to, we don't know each other's hearts. Only the Father does. He knows our hearts. And so I would encourage you this morning. Let's, let's, this is challenging. I, I've done it too. It's like, right? I've, I've been in scenarios where I've looked at someone and I'm like, okay, okay, Jesus. You know, we got to refocus our gaze, right? And that's why I started with that exhortation from Corinthians, right? Like, we're running our race. We're focused on our king. And we're running at our pace, 
Everybody's pace is a little different. Everybody's given different gifts. Parable of talents, right? Some five, some ten, some one. We all have different gifts and different levels with which we're required to be accountable before the Lord. So we need a right view of God because when we truly fear him, the fear of man inside of us shrivels up and dies. When we fear the Lord, when we're fearing, we rightly see him, and then the fear of the Lord is in our hearts, the fear of what others think when it comes to how we praise our king, it just shrivels up and dies. And so that's what I would encourage you. Let's fear the Lord. See, the Lord's been doing a work in my life for a while. I sell copiers for a living. So I solicit, I go knock on doors, cold calls, the whole thing. Uh, people don't know me from Adam. And, uh, and I literally just walk up, hey, how you doing? Can you tell me who makes decisions with regards to your copiers and printers? I had doors slammed in my face. I've had people welcome me in. You just never know what you're going to get. And I kind of love that. I'm, that's not in everybody. That's okay. Um, but every month, the quota button resets. Boom. New quota. Same Every month, it goes back to zero. And so there's this thing in me that's like, I got to perform. And if I'm not careful, that thing, I'll carry it over before the king. I'll carry that over to my relationship with the Jesus. I got I to gotta perform so that he loves me and so that he appreciates me and so that he accepts me. And, uh, and the beautiful thing about praise is it takes my focus off me and my performance and who I am and what I'm doing, and it puts my, my focus rightly on the king. And I'm not performing because he's already paid the price. He's already paid the price. I don't have to earn my salvation. I don't have to earn his approval. He loves me for who I am. And I, and I just think about when I do this with my kids, I turn on some music. You just turn on some funky music, and kids just start dancing. Last week, we had some like, lights going on here. And all the kids, you know who you are, kids, they were up here dancing in the little lights. They had the, it, was, it was exciting. And that's, I think that's just how God sees us. He sees us as his kids, and he loves it when the music gets going, and we just we get before him, and we're, 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 we're unafraid. And so this, this story of David, I kind of carry it to the New Testament. It made me think of Matthew chapter 21. I don't know if you guys remember the story. Jesus is coming in. He's saddled on a donkey. All the people are saying what? Hosanna, right? Hosanna, Hosanna. And so when he gets into the temple, guess who's there? He's flipping tables, right? This is to be a house of prayer, not a den of robbers. And then the Pharisees, what's their position towards him? Because I don't know if you remember this, but I'm just going to read it to you. It says that they were indignant, meaning they were angry. Why? Because, well, people were giving glory to Jesus and not them, right? But then also they say to Jesus, they say, do you hear what they're saying? Because it said the children were still crying out, Hosanna to the son of David, right? We got this correlation, the son of David. We saw how David worshiped before the king, right? And now all the people are saying, Hosanna, son of David. They recognize he's the Messiah. He's the one who's coming. His presence is coming in town. And they're, they're, they're praising him. And so what does Jesus say? He goes, yes, I hear what they're saying. Yes. Have you not read Psalm 8, guys? And the Pharisees have read Psalm 8 because, right, they're the teachers of the law. They know Psalm 8. And so Jesus, he's like, he's brilliant. He always gives these like one-two punches. Don't you notice that in scripture, right? And so this is what he says. Out of the mouths, he's quoting Psalm 8, of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. And that he stops there. Now, if you look up Psalm 8, do you know what the rest of Psalm 8, verse 2 says? It says, to silence the foe and the avenger. Jesus, he's throwing that one-two punch, right? He's like, because we're going to, the praise of God is silencing the foe and the avenger. Here's a takeaway. If you want to silence the voice of the enemy in your life, because he is throwing lies left and right, he's called the accuser of the brethren. And Zechariah talks about how Joshua and Satan are standing before the throne, and Satan's just throwing accusations left and right. If you want to silence the, the voice of the enemy in your life, sing praise to the king. Because what it does is it shifts our focus to the one who's on the throne. It opens up the heavens and allows us to hear and see what he thinks about us. 
and it shifts our thoughts and our minds above our circumstances, which honestly, we, nine times out of ten, we can't control all of them, right? We can't control all of our circumstances. There's some things we can, but circumstances, whether they're great or not, we can still praise the king because he is enthroned, Psalm 22, on the praises of his people, just like we sang this morning. He is enthroned upon the praises of his people. So two responses when we encounter the truth of God's word in his presence. We see it, right? We see Micah's heart, Michael's heart. We see the Pharisees' heart, right? They were cold. They were indignant. And every time we encounter the word of God, when we open the word of God, I, I, come to, I begin to come to it with fear and trembling because my heart will do one of two things. It will either be soft and celebrating the king and allowing God's word to dwell richly in me, or my heart will become hard towards it. Those are the two options we have when we come encounter the truth of God. We're either receiving it and celebrating and repenting, right? Or we're, we're, our hearts are getting a little harder or a little tougher because we're rejecting the word of God. And so same thing with his presence, right? When we encounter his presence, we have an opportunity to be softer, harder. And I would encourage you, Holy Spirit, help me, help my heart to be soft and ready to receive your word. That's why I pray that over you guys. That's why I pray that over myself. Right, kids, we read the word in the mornings. We spend a little bit of time in the word. And I, I just have them pray. Repeat after me. Lord, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to obey. Because I want my heart to be soft when I come to the word of God. So let us give thanks. A great way to soften up our hearts is to give thanks to God, to call upon his name, to make his known deeds known among the people. Sometimes when we get a little too complaining in our house or in the car, somebody's just complaining way too much. Have you guys ever been in those situations? You can nod your head. I know. And uh, yep, we've all been in those situations. Uh, we like to play this game called the thankful game. And uh, my kids are really good at it. And, uh, and it helps. So we start with the number one. And so Joseph, he has to say one thing he's thankful for. So he'll usually go, you know, dad, mom, Jesus, one of those. Izzy gets number two. She goes two thankful things. And you can't repeat. So you got to do like individual fresh things. And so, Lord, God help you if you're number 10. Because you got to rip off 10 things that you're thankful for. But the awesome thing is, is it helps me, it helps us just shift our thoughts from the things we don't have and the things we're complaining about to the king who provides it all, the maker of heaven and earth. And uh, it's just so helpful. And uh, so that when we enter this space on Sunday or the kitchen on Monday morning or Tuesday afternoon in the office or Wednesday morning when the kids are just screaming their heads off, we can, we can look to him and give thanks because he's, he's still good and on the throne. How do we, how do we call upon his name? Um, the beautiful thing about God is he's got, like, he's got, he's God but he is Lord. He is Jehovah. He is Adonai. He is Yahweh. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is Yeshua. He is Elohim. There are so many names of God. If you've ever done like a study on the names of God, I would encourage you, just take this week to dwell with the Lord, do a little bit of study, and ask him which name he wants to reveal to you. Jehovah Rapha means the God, our healer, right? You're praying for someone, you can call upon the name of Jehovah Rapha. God, would you come and heal this person's heart? Would you heal this condition? Would you heal this sickness, right? Jehovah Shalom, our peace. God, whew. I'm struggling right now. I'm a little anxious inside. Jehovah Shalom, would you just come and father me right now? Would you come with your peace, right? So the beautiful thing about calling on the name of the Lord is there's a lot of creativity and opportunity there to, to get to know his different names, right? So I'd count to you this week. Just take some time. Get to know some of the names of God. Um, verse 3, 2. Sing them praises. We've talked about that. Sing of his wondrous works. Ephesians uh, 5, um, verses 15 through 20. Um, I felt this, felt this passage was very encouraging because it talks about how we do this in a corporate setting. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are what? Evil. Okay, I think we can identify with that, right? Sometimes the days feel pretty evil around here. 
Um, he says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I think that's critical that we understand that we're tightly tied in, we're dwelling with, we're abiding with Jesus so that we can understand what his will is because there's going to come a time when it's so evil and it's so challenging, we have to make decisions. And if we've already understood what the will of the Lord is for our life and we're dialed in with what he's doing, then it's going to be easy to say yes to that and no to that because I know what his will is, right? If, your word, if, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, then ask anything according to my will. I was super encouraged by Nick's message last week, right? About abiding, letting his word abide in us. It aligns us with the will of God. So excited that I decided to practice it. So little Joe and I, we went uh, shopping for groceries. If you've ever been to Aldi, they require you to put a quarter in your cart to get a cart out. And so <laughs> Joe and I are searching the car for a quarter and we can't find one. Sebi's on my back. He's in a little backpack. Uh, can't find a quarter. And so I'm like, so I, got a, I found a $5 bill. I was like, okay, we'll go in. We'll break this. So I handed it to Joe. And then I was like, hold on, Joe. Let's just ask the Lord for a quarter. I know it's a little ass, but let's just ask him. And so we go, which is right there in the parking lot. Lord, we just ask you to provide a quarter for us. Amen. So I can set you on my back. We walk in, and so as we're There's walking like up to Aldi, coming this up, guy comes and he's out, looking like right at me. He's like, like dialed in, like, like he's got my number or something. Like, do I know this guy? And uh, he comes up and he says, hey, would you guys like a cart? He just hands it to me. I didn't have to go break my $5 bill with two kids on my back, and we got our quarter at the end of our shopping trip. Just a little example, like, right? There's nothing too small we can't just ask the Lord for. I'm not saying he's always going to do it, right? It's yes, no, maybe, or wait, right? Sometimes it's wait, but that would just encourage my heart. And so don't, we understand what the, the will of the Lord is. And then it says, do not get drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. So instead of medicating our pain and, our, and the evil that's going on in the world, let's get filled with the Spirit and address one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father. I love my son Sebastian. He, uh, I get him on the changing table, and he just like, he's just like singing stuff. I don't even know why he's singing. And then he'll be playing with his cars, and he's got these little melodies going in our heart. I think that's what the Lord wants. I think that's just a good illustration. Like, when we're going about our day, right? When we're going about work, we're going about the, just the mundane tasks of writing an email or calling, you know, whatever it is your day looks like knocking on a door, you don't know who's going to be behind there. I can just sing a little song in my heart, like, God, you're so good. I love you. Just, just make a melody in your heart. Like, it doesn't have to sound amazing, because not a, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Track with me? Okay, so verse three and four, and combine these. It says, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord. Who are we seeking? The Lord. Seek his strength, seek the Lord, seek his strength, seek his presence continually. I love this. This is so encouraging. And to seek the Lord just means to inquire, to ask, to ask the Lord. Just ask the Lord. Just inquire of him. We see this demonstrated the dichotomy between Saul and, and David, right? Saul inquired of the Lord, but he wasn't, he was supposed to, he wasn't supposed to. And then so the Lord like left him and he consulted some other ways of inquiring and to try to find out answers, which you can read about in the Old Testament. David, he's seeking the Lord and his strength continually. I love, there's one story in the Old Testament that came to my mind. I keep coming back to it because it's stirred my heart a lot this week. There is a point where David and his band of, of dudes, his mighty men, they were the debtors. There was just like a disgruntled batch of men, but they were his mighty men and they fought bravely by his side. He's running from Saul and there's this point where they're out fighting and the Philistines come and they take all their wives, their kids, and all their stuff. I don't know how you would feel if you came home, dads, and your wife, your kids, everybody was gone and your, your house was ransacked. I would be like, I would be, it says in the scripture, it says, 
they were greatly distressed. I could identify with that, right? Now, there's other things in life that cause us to be greatly distressed, right? I mean, let's get real, right? If you have children or if you have, um, you know, if you're married or if you have any relationship with anybody, there's, there's opportunities for stress, right? And to be greatly distressed. And it says that his men were about to stone him. So just imagine you're leading a group of people. They're really angry with you. All of you in here had a rock, and you were really mad at me, and I was super, we were all distressed together, and you're just going to start throwing rocks at me, right? Like, that's kind of the scene. Um, And it says this, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. That's so powerful. I just felt like that was so encouraging this week to see he, he sought the Lord, and he sought his what? His strength. When we're faced with moments where we're stressed out, distressed, exhausted, can't figure out the, the reason why this person won't follow Jesus or this person won't love me like they should or I'm a, why are they offending me or why are they throwing things at me? We have an opportunity to what? Seek his strength and be strengthened in the Lord. That's why Paul prays that prayer in Ephesians 3, 14. It's probably one of my favorite prayers and I'll pray it over and over and over again. But Lord, would the Lord strengthen you with power through your spirit and your inner man. We gotta be strengthened and how do we do that? By seeking the Lord. And then it says, seek his presence continually. I'm going to tell, tell one more story, and then we're going to kind of bring this thing around. This is the story of Jehoshaphat. In 2 Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat was surrounded, and he was afraid. So kind of right back to David. Oh, so just to let you know, that story in David, if you go read it, then he and his band of men, if they strengthen themselves in the Lord, they go and annihilate the Philistines, get all their wives back and their kids. So that was a cliffhanger. I guess I could have let you read on your own. <laughs> Maybe I should just let you read on your own. They're like, what happened to David? Come on. Um, so we're going to fast forward to another story of Jehoshaphat. It says that he was surrounded and he was afraid. So he set his face to seek the Lord. He proclaimed a fast and he assembled. He said, come on, guys, let's get together. We're going to seek the Lord. I encourage you to read this story in, in 2 Chronicles 20. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's, it's beautiful. But as they begin to seek the Lord and assemble together and fast and seek God. First, God comes to them through a prophetic voice in the camp. He says, do not be afraid. God is going to be with you. It was the first response they received from the Lord. And guess what they did? Anybody? Anybody? They, they got up and they praised the Lord. It says they, they praised the God of Israel with a loud voice. Woo! Come on because they got an answer. And the answer is, don't be discouraged. I'm with you. Second, Jehoshaphat then appoints singers to go before the army to sing praise. Does this make military sense? I don't know if for those of you who are in the military, would you sing out, one, would you sing out singers to make noise in front of you? No. Um, I think back then battles were fought a little differently. You see how Revolutionary War battles were fought, where they got the little drummer in the background and maybe something like that, right? But he's, he puts together the singers, I'm thinking, like, what are you thinking, Josephat? Like, the Lord is with you. Like, get your swords and go out there and, and annihilate some enemies. And he says that they were to do one thing. He appointed singers to go before the army, and they sing this one phrase, give thanks to the Lord. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 136. My son wanted to read the whole thing this week. I don't know why. But he read the verses, and all Izzy and I did were say this over and over. Give thanks to the Lord. And then he says, his steadfast love endures forever. He's the God who delivered all the people of Israel. 
His steadfast love endures forever. He's the God who hooked me up with a quarter at Aldi this week. His steadfast love endures forever, right? That's who he is. He doesn't stop, and that's part of his name. We look back, and we see how he revealed himself to Moses on the mountain, right? He calls his glory to pass before him. He's slow to anger. He's rich in love. And as a result, guess what happens? They route, God routes the enemy. They're singing, his steadfast love endures forever. God routes the enemy. He causes them, he brings them into confusion, and they kill each other. The Israelites didn't even lift a sword. They kill each other. And the remarkable thing I think about this story is that for the, it says for the next three days, they gathered the spoils of their enemies. Like, that blows my mind. It's like the Israelites did nothing except trust the Lord, sing his steadfast love endures forever, give thanks to him. And when they did, God annihilated their enemies. He, caused, he threw them into confusion. There's just something about praise. When you sing praise to God, that confuses the enemy. Like, we have a real enemy. You guys realize that, right? There is Satan and his, his, his demonic forces, and they're actively trying to put lies in your head and thoughts that aren't yours that hopefully you'll believe and hang on to, and they're so close to the truth that, oh, maybe that is true. Maybe what my dad said over me all my life, that I'll never be smart enough or I'll never be good enough for, is actually true because somebody's repeated it over and over and over, right? Or maybe there's little lies, little things that are perversions of the truth, and as we lift up the praises of God, it kind of clears, it's like air force, if you will. It clears the atmosphere and allows us to see the one who is seated on the throne rightly. And so I love this. Three days gathering spoils. I think when God brings a victory over our enemies, the beautiful thing is we're not left empty-handed. He doesn't deliver us from a lie or an ungodly belief or a uh, circumstance that's painful, someone's hurt us. He doesn't just deliver us from that. He, he gives us something, right? And we see that as Jesus went to the cross, right? He didn't just die on the cross and go to the grave. He rose again, and he offered us eternal life with him, right? That's what he does. When he delivers us something, when he frees us from something, he puts something back in our hands. And so, church, I want you to remember, we're not going to jump into a heavy study on these last two verses. I just want to read them to you. Let's remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and his judgments. I mean, think back. The 10 plagues on Egypt. He released judgments on Pharaoh, and he brought that kingdom of darkness to an end. He helped the Israelites, and they left. It says they left with the spoils of Egypt. He brought that economic empire, the spiritual aspects of that empire, to ground zero, and they left with all the spoils of wars. They left Egypt. And then he provided a path out of the Red Sea, right? Let's remember his works that he has done. In Psalm 105, it's 37 more verses of all the things that God had done for his people and how he provides for them and how he goes before them. And so I just want to encourage you. Let's remember the wondrous works he has done. And let's just think about our, our, our guys, Paul and Silas in Acts 16. It says in midnight, they were in jail for their faith. And they were praying, and they were singing hymns to God. The prisoners were listening. So when we sing hymns, others are listening, right? Like you guys realize that. When we're singing those little songs, we're making melodies in our heart, our kids are listening, our spouses are listening, our friends are listening. And it says the earthquake, boom! Prison foundations were shaken, doors open, bonds broken. This is what happens when we abide in that place of praising God. Because I'm not moving to praise God, right? I'm just... I'm looking up, and I'm staying in that place of exalting him and worshiping him and magnifying him. So I'm just going to invite you. We're going to respond to the Lord this morning.
And so first, I just want us to invite the Holy Spirit to come and just convict and encourage our hearts where we're needed. And then we're just going to break the bread of his presence, right? We're going to share communion. So I encourage you, if you don't have a communion cup, feel free and go grab one um, or, or not. It's up to you. And, uh, and then we're just going to break bread together. And, uh, and I'm not going to have the worship team. I'm going to have them go ahead and come on up. And uh, we're just going to respond to the Lord by inviting the Holy Spirit, by sharing communion together. And then we're going we're gonna to worship him. How's that sound? We're going to exalt his name together. We're going to magnify him. We're going to rightly see Jesus. And um, there's a picture uh, that I want to paint for you this morning as we do that. But uh, if you all just want to grab the elements, and uh, I'm just going to walk you through. I don't, I don't, I forgot to grab mine. I don't know if somebody wants to grab me one. But uh, my man Nick here, okay. So as we start here, I just want us to just bow your heads before the Lord, and let's just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would come right now. Would you convict and encourage our hearts where they need to be convicted, where they need to be encouraged, where they need to be reminded of you? God, that we would be in a place before you this morning where we're able to give thanks to you, where we're able to, with our voices, with our hearts, God, it's a heart thing. God, would you write our hearts before you that we could respond, Holy Spirit, to you? Would you just highlight something this morning that, that you're speaking to us? Would you remind us of the good things that you've done We just, we just sit before you for a minute here. Let's just dwell with the Lord. Let's abide in him. Let his word come, dwell richly in our hearts right now. Come Holy Spirit, we ask you to show us. Let's take the, the bread, church. This is God's body broken for us. body broken for our sin and this is his blood spilled out for us there's power church and the blood of Jesus poured out for us I just want to read to you this scene Revelation chapter 4 there's this beautiful scene and Hebrews we're called to come boldly before the throne of God. Boldly. Why? Because he made a way. His blood spilled out. His body broken for us. Through Jesus Christ, we can come boldly before the throne. And so I just want to paint this picture of what that looks like. I want to give you a visual. Because sometimes it's easier to come before the throne of God when we have a visual. It says in Revelation 4 that after this I looked and there was a man before me. There was a door standing open. And he said, come up here. I will show you what must take place. He was in the spirit before me. There was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. You guys know who that someone is, right? It's our king, right? And it says the one who sat there had this appearance of jasper and ruby. It's like this red diamond glowing presence. And there was a rainbow over him with like emeralds encircling the throne. And surrounding the throne, there were the 24 other thrones. And seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white. They had crowns of gold on their head. And from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles of thunder. In front of the throne, there were seven lamps blazing, the seven spirits of God in Isaiah 11. In front of the throne, there was a sea of glass. This is just a serene scene. If you need to close your eyes, close your eyes, you can vote. But we're on, he's on this sea of glass. And there's just these elders and there's these four creatures. 
and they're flying around and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And it says, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks. We're back to that first verse. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. The elders, they fall down before him and they worship forever and ever. And this is what they say. They say, you are worthy. Our Lord and God receive glory, honor, and power for you created all things. And for your will, by your will, they were created. We're going to sing this song again. We sang in the beginning. I should encourage you. Just enter into that place. You get to come boldly before this throne. It doesn't change. He's seated on it. And someone who's seated on it is, is precious, inviting, and mind-blowing. Before the sea of glass, we get to stand and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Let's have the worship team lead us in. Feel free to stand, sit, but I encourage you to seek the Lord. Seek his strength and his presence.